0: Good Fight, that's the name of our summer Real Men Bible study. We'll be going verse by verse through First Timothy. Uh, you and me up here in the mountains, real informal, casual, 12 weeks looking at an older man named Paul, building up and uh, investing in a younger man named Timothy, teaching him how to be a man of God and fight a good fight. And I'll tell you, in a day when the uh, world has lost its mind and everything's going to hell, Uh, A few men need to learn how to fight. I'll see you guys online this summer as we study 1 Timothy, the good fight. All right, guys. Welcome back to our Real Men's Summer Bible Study on 1 Timothy, good fight, where we teach men of God how to, quote unquote, fight the good fight. That's what Paul tells Timothy. We're going to look at 12 commands. Uh, This week is command number two avoid apostates so we're going to talk about apostasy and that's where paul's going in his instructions to timothy um an apostate um is someone who's a betrayer they're a double agent Uh, In the ancient uh, Greek world, the word was used in war and battle. It's also used in the New Testament where, let's say, for example, you joined the army, you went through boot camp, you got deployed with your unit. You'd been drilling together, prepping together, you know, getting ready together. You get deployed, you're out on the front line. It's time of battle. You can see the enemy on the horizon. The engagement is coming. You're feeling the anxiety, the stress. It's time for war and battle. One of the guys in your platoon pops up out of a secure position and runs into the field of combat. Your first thought is, oh no, he's a dead man. This guy is committing suicide. And then you're kind of shocked. They don't shoot at him. They don't attack him. In fact, you could see over the horizon, they welcome him. And they cheer and you realize he's joined their side of the fight. The only reason that he was with us was to earn our trust, to gain our knowledge, to gain access so that then he could take everything that he has and has learned and share that with the enemy. He's actually on the other side of the fight and he's just betrayed us and abandoned us and he's seeking to destroy us. That's apostasy. And apostasy started with Satan. Um, It started when Satan, who was on God's side of the fight, decided that he would um, recruit a third of the angels to join him as demons and to declare war on God. And that's what apostates do. They don't go quietly. They go loudly. They don't go alone. They take as many people with them. They want to gut Christian churches, schools, ministries, families. They want to cause as much damage and harm as possible. These are the Benedict Arnolds of the spiritual war. And uh, the example of this on Jesus' team was Judas Iscariot. Three years, he eats Jesus' food, sits at Jesus' table, learns Jesus' lesson, is stealing Jesus' his money and gaining intelligence and information to bring together a coalition of religious and political leaders to uh, destroy Jesus Christ and then to attack his other leaders, the disciples. And so Judas Iscariot is a counterfeit. He's a pretend. An apostate is not a lost person that doesn't know Jesus and is on the outside. They're a person who gets on the inside, and that's where they can do the most devastating and deadly work. Apostates like to be leaders. They like to get on the boards of organizations. They like to be pastors. They like to get close to the people in leadership. They like to be on the stage. They like people to listen to them. They like to control the finances, the spending. They like lots of information. So that they can be in the seat of control and find a place by which to exert their power. If they are not given the authority and control they want, then they will attack the senior leader and or their family. They will cause holy, unholy hell and uh, ultimately one apostate destroy a whole family, take down a whole church, ruin a whole ministry, close a Christian school, cause lots of confusion. Again, these aren't lost people on the outside. These are people that Satan has strategically either placed within or turned against from the inside. Um, now, Paul, in Acts chapter 19, planted a church in a place called Ephesus, been there, great historical archaeological dig, took the kids there when they were little. In Acts 20, as he's getting ready to leave, he pulls the leaders together and he says, after I leave, men will arise from your own number, distort the truth and lead many astray. So be on guard. I've been warning you day and night with tears. What Paul is saying is you've got an apostate. You've got a Judas. Satan has got a double agent on your team, in your midst, in your leadership. That had to be a weird meeting, leadership meeting. And they're looking around kind of like the disciples at the Last Supper. Lord, who is it? Which is it? Paul leaves, his prophecy comes true. The greatest threat to your family, your business, your church, your ministry, your Christian school is on the inside. Satan's always trying to get somebody on the inside or somebody on the inside to turn. Paul leaves, goes to Macedonia, never to return. The is fulfilled, um, the wolves show up. They're sheep, shepherds, and wolves. Apostates are wolves, and they wanna come in, attack the shepherd, replace the shepherd, eat the sheep. And so what a good shepherd needs to do, they need to uh, shepherd the flock and shoot the wolves. So if you're a pastor or a leader, or you aspire to be, there's two things you need to know how to do. Shepherd the flock, shoot the wolves, have the fight, have the conflict, have the collision, have the Twitter war, have the blogosphere go after you, get criticized, canceled, expect the Email to go out from, you know, the Jezebel cohort and the Ahab passive approving co-conspirators and just have the fight. And so what Paul has done, he has got translocal leadership. Some people are not just local leaders. They have translocal leadership. That's apostolic. Not that they write books of the Bible like Paul, but they have authority over various regions like Paul. And then there's Timothy. He's deployed by Paul to the city of Ephesus to go at the leadership, to find the wolves, to fight the fight, to have the head-on collision, and to get rid of the wolves to protect the sheep. And so also what an apostate is, um, they're not only not lost, they're usually not new. Usually they've been in the church or ministry or Christianity for a while, and they're not teachable. They want you to change, not them. They want to teach you. They don't want to take notes from you. They want to be in control. They don't want to submit to authority. If you engage, hear me in this, if you engage, you will enrage and anything you give them will be used against you and the gospel for a spiritual war. So we're going to talk about apostates and we're dealing with Uh, an epidemic of apostasy. Sometimes it's people avoid persecution. They're like, I just have fear of men. I don't want people to dislike me. So whatever the cultural trend is, I'll just go with it so that I'm liked. Some people, uh, they just like false teaching. They're rebellious. They live in the flesh. Some people have secret sin or maybe open sin, and they don't want God telling them what to do, especially with their pots and pans and genitals. And so as a result, they're just going to declare war. And some people just want to go find some teacher that will agree with them. False prophet false apostle false teacher that's going to tell them whatever they want to hear so they can do whatever they want to do and if you're a guy you're like i want to do something the bible i think says no to you can find someone educated beyond their intelligence who's really good at footnotes and twisting greek and hebrew words and they can make an argument for you for any ridiculous insanity that you could even conceive of in addition, sometimes these people, they're just lazy. They don't want to fight the good fight. They don't want to do the work of, of being a faithful Christian. They don't want to pay the price. And, uh, and these people are dangerous. And let me say this as well. This is an epidemic. We can call it wokeism and it's jokeism. There is an apostasy that has hit the church during Black Lives Matter. And there was an apostasy that hit the church with gay marriage and transgenderism and gender confusion. Satan is working through the platforms and the algorithms. He is censoring everything that is Bible based. I know this for a fact. He is accelerating everything that's creating mental health, gender disorder dysphoria and confusion, sexual addiction, and also suicidal ideation. Make no mistakes. Satan and demons are doing everything they can in the world system to platform apostates and to de-platform prophets. That's the world we're in. The question is not, are you in the fight? We're all in it. The question is, what side of the fight are you on? Are you gonna be like Jesus? Or are you gonna be like Judas? Are you gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit? Or like Judas, or are you gonna welcome an unholy spirit? And sometimes, I'm telling you men, we're not looking for a fight, but a fight comes. You gotta have, some stones, and some steel in your spine, and you gotta have the fight. Who cares if they don't like you? You worship a guy that got murdered. Who cares if a few people talk negatively about you on social media? At least they're not punching you in the mouth. Who cares if you get kicked out of your school or you lose your job? Who cares if you got a little church hurt? Get over it. Don't get bitter. Get better. Serve. Make the church a better place. Don't become one of those woke, evangelifish, jellyfish, soft, dudes who grow up deconstructing the church, criticizing everything that they didn't like. And the truth is, the church is probably holier than you, and you'll notice that they're not deconstructing you, so don't be deconstructing them. It's time to build up the church, not break down the church. It's time to practice unity among the remnant of God's saints, and it's time to call out the apostates. That's what Paul tells Timothy to do. And sometimes, boys, you just got to Timothy up. Hands up Chin down, feet forward, tell the truth, call the shots, take the shots, get in a little trouble at your school, get in a little trouble at your church, get in a little trouble at your university, get in a little trouble on your social media platform. If the woke folk come, know what to do, get into the fight. Three things, number one, apostates are inevitable. First Timothy one, three through four, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, so Paul leaves, Remain at Ephesus, he sends Timothy to have the fight so that you may charge or command. You don't give suggestions if you're quoting the word of God rightly. You give commands. Certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. They like to teach. They like to be on the leadership. They want to be on the board. Oh, they love to get on the board. They want to be on the committee. They want to be on the worship team. They want a microphone. They want to teach a small group. They want to teach a class. And if they can't do that, they want to get next to the senior leader or leaders and their wives and they, or their kids. And they want to manipulate that access for control. And if that doesn't work, then they will criticize and attack. There are two ways to teach. You teach what you believe. And if you're not very good at it or it doesn't take root, then you attack the person who is teaching and you create a false uh, doctrinal, theological, biblical construct by removing authority and causing suspicion and false allegation. That makes you a false apostle, a false prophet, a false teacher, and they are legion. And today with wokeism, they are popular. And uh, we're seeing this epidemic with younger generations. We're seeing it uh, with people who are sexually active and gender confused. We're seeing it with people who have not had much good Bible teaching and they know more about their personality than God's attributes. And they have a man centered instead of a God centered theology. We're also seeing this with creatives in worship departments, student ministries, video and tech. Let me tell you this, guys, it's awesome to be creative. Our God is a creator and he's creative. Be creative with your expression of faith, not the content of your faith. Find creative ways to get Bible teaching out. But the minute that you get creative with doctrine, you're an apostate. The gospel of Jesus Christ did not begin with you. It will not end with you. You are the mail delivery person. You did not write the mail. Your job is to deliver it without editing it. So Paul says have that conflict with people who are teaching different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship of God that is by faith. And what he's saying is some people get into apostasy by just being weirdos. They study obscure texts ancient dead guys that are just bizarre. They go down strange rabbit trails. They don't stay in the fairway of Jesus, sin, repentance, Bible, you know, the the core stuff, they're way out in the weeds. How many angels were there? And, you know, who were the Nephilim? And, you know, what's Ezekiel's wheel? I mean, these are all the medical marijuana, tinfoil hat folk. And over on the other side, there's all just the religious, overly church, never been out of the Christian ghetto weirdos who just get overly enamored with secondary doctrines into wild speculation, oftentimes about eschatology, end times, all kinds of stuff that maybe is interesting. But if you've made it the center of your theology and that's all you think about, eventually you're just going to be a weirdo because you've lost the true north on your compass, which is the person of Jesus and the repentance of sin. And so what he's saying is don't do that. But here's what they want to do. Uh, They want to be bad stewards. And that's what a steward is. A steward is someone who takes what God has given and maximizes and utilizes it. What happens is apostates can't build anything. So they wait for a church to be built, then they come in to gut it. They wait for a family to be built, they come in and gut it. They wait for a Christian school to be built, they come in and they gut it. They wait for a Christian seminary to be built, they come in and they gut it. They wait for some sort of social or political movement to rise up, and then they come in and they gut it. This is what apostates do. They're bad stewards, Paul says. They take everything that God gave and they use it against God. This is why denominations go liberal. This is why churches go woke or at least soft woke. The difference between soft woke and hard woke is this. And those are the two kinds of primary progressive apostates in our day. The hard woke, they're just obvious. They fly the rainbow flag, virtue signal on their social media. Um, I call these the lesbiterians. I mean, they just abandon anything that looks like biblical sex, marriage, gender, authority, Jesus, repentance, hell, they just flush all of it. The atoning death of Jesus is a good example. It's not a substitution to pay a price to the wrath of God. They just get rid of all of that. Everybody's going to heaven. Take your pants off in the meantime and just you know go out and get STDs because ultimately we get a resurrection body so it won't itch then, I guess. Those are the overt woke joke folk. Those are the overt apostates. The covert ones, the soft woke, they're a little more concerning because they're a little more uh, wily. It's not what they talk about. It's what they don't talk about. They'll talk a lot about justice, but not for the unborn. They'll criticize uh, church leaders, but they themselves don't say anything that gets them criticized. They sand all the edges off the hard doctrines. They varnish uh, on all the um, the shininess that gets away some of the, the roughness of the Christian faith. Now, there's a reason that the guys that we like all got murdered and were hated and despised and shipwrecked and beaten and homeless and left for dead. And it wasn't because they they were good at finger painting their doctrinal statement and good at mutilating their genitalia and rainbow dyeing their hair and being accepted by people who are pagan priests of Jezebel and Ahab. Nope. Those folks, those are the soft woke folks. They they're more subtle. They ask questions. They deconstruct. And and let me say this: I've been fighting against this apostasy my entire career. My first talk I gave at a church camp, a leader's retreat, was in 1997. I called it The Flight from God. We just found it on cassette tape, and we'll put it on Uh, digitized version and give it away. But I talk about the coming apostasy and it'll be deconstruction where people within the church are criticizing all areas of Christian behavior and belief. And I said that the coming tsunami tide in 1997 is exactly what we see today. And I preached the Bible for 18 years in downtown Seattle, largely to the folks in the chop zone. I've seen the future and it's hell on earth. And now what we're seeing is what apostasy looks like as it overtakes an nation and a globe. And so what Paul says is, number one, apostates do come. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. But instead, you got to Timothy up. You got to speak the truth. You got to stand your ground. You got to fight the good fight. Number two, apostates are unloving. This is where apostates manipulate people. They will tell sort of compelling emotional counterfeit testimonies And they'll talk about people who are hurting and how we love them and we love them and that changed their life. And so if we just loved everybody, then everything would be better. And the Bible does tell us to love, but it does not tell us to tolerate sin because the opposite of repentance of sin is tolerance of sin. And this apostate culture and these deconstructionists, and their Jezebelian army of online pajama hadin, accountability, discernment folks with no accountability or discernment, they're just attacking the church. They're deplatforming. They're canceling Bible teachers and those who have a prophetic anointing and calling. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they'll say, we're just being loving. We're just trying to love people and love people well, but they're not. You don't love people if you're getting them to be further away from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not loving people if you're getting them to live by the flesh instead of by the spirit. You're not loving people if you're tolerating their sin instead of encouraging them to be repenting of their sin. You're not loving people if you're lying to them so that they will love you. If God tells something to offends someone and then you say something different, they may love you, but he may not. The question is not, will you get in trouble? Will you get in trouble with them or with him? And if you don't care about them knowing how to be closest to God because you want them to be closer to you, you're an apostate, you have fear of man, you don't love them, you're using them for your comfort, your convenience, your pleasure, your passion, whatever the case may be. All right, guys, Pastor Mark here letting you know about the latest book, New Day's Old Demons. It's a prophetic word against pathetic wokeness. Uh, You guys understand exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Hopefully it is on sale. If not, it's coming out very, very soon. Would appreciate your prayers as we punch a lot of people and things in the mouth. And if it's a help, get a copy. Sometimes if you love someone, you with tears in your eyes, tell them the truth. And that is what you believe is wrong. How you behave is wrong. The God who made you made you for more. You need to change and be forgiven. And if you don't, you will not be close to him. And if you never do that, you'll be tormented by him forever and ever. Here's what Paul says. The aim of our charge is love. And Paul says he's loving. Now the apostates don't think he's loving. Wolves always whine when shepherds strike them with a stick. And the point is, you're not supposed to love the wolves. You're supposed to love the sheep, which means you need to shoot the wolves. And then the wolves were, oh my gosh, they yelled at me. They fired me. They kicked me out. They said no. They they said I was wrong. They hurt my feelings. They triggered me. They didn't use my right gender pronoun. You know, I now identify as WTF, at least on Thursdays. And the point is this. I love you, but you don't love him and you don't love them. And I'm telling you that unless you have a change, we're going to have a problem. This is loving in the same way I've got five kids. And if somebody wants to break into my house and hurt my kids, oh, there's going to be a hell of a fight. There is going to be one hell of a fight. And then they can go on TV and say, I didn't feel very loved at Pastor Mark's house. Nobody's kids did. And so did his wife. And that's what you got to do. You got to love the sheep. You got to love the shepherds. You can't love the wolves. He says, our charge is love that issues or comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul says, you know what? I've been warned with these people. They tried to kill me. Actually, now that they think about it, these apostates, <clears throat> when Paul showed up in Rome, they tried to kill him, and they started a riot. And these are the people that are like, we're the loving people. No, you're the riot people. You're the lying people. You're the murderous people. You're the deplatforming people. You're the cancel culture people. You're not loving. You only love people that agree with you and tolerate you and support your sin. They didn't love Paul. And Paul had the conflict so he could have the converts. And here's the big idea. You have the conflict so you can have the converts. If you never have a conflict, you're never going to see a convert. That's why if you want to advance the kingdom of God and see the lost found and the captive set free, you're going to have to have a few conflicts along the way. He said certain persons by swerving from these, they're off course. And they'll say, no, no, no. We're on the spectrum. You know what the spectrum is? It's swerving off course. Right, wrong, good, bad, God, Satan, life, death, heaven, hell. You swerve. That's the spectrum. You're like, well, I'm not over here. I'm not over there. I'm somewhere in the middle. That's swerving. The swerving is the Old Testament word for the spectrum, or the New Testament word for the spectrum. They've wandered away into vain discussion. They're arguing about things that are stupid, stupid. And and they're arguing about things that God has already spoken about. If God's spoken, we don't need to argue about it. We need to obey it. Desiring to be teachers, and they want to teach. Oh man, here's my blog, my pet podcast my social media platform here's you know they always want to teach and if they can't teach they'll blog and if they can't blog they'll twitter and if they can't twitter they'll attack somebody with a platform trying to grow their own trying to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions Oh, they're confident, all right. I know for a fact. God told me. God showed me. I grew up in a church, and I'm bitter, and now I'm a deconstructionist church kid. Let me just say this. Much of apostasy comes from church hurt and bitterness, and I'm sorry for those of you have church hurt, and I'll tell you who has church hurt the most, the pastor's kids. Nobody's seen evil more frequently than the pastor's kids. Nobody has had to bite their lower lip more than the pastor's kids, and nobody has had their time and energy taken by some awful religious people more than the pastor's kids. And if the pastor's kids can forgive, unburden, heal, be filled with the spirit, love and serve the church, you can too. And just, it's a whole soft generation. It's like my youth pastor said to wear a purity ring. Oh my God, I am going to cut my hair off, mutilate my genitalia, start a blog and fund GoFundMe account so that I can help other people with their struggles. And it's just like, you know what? Go fund yourself. I mean, it's just, I'm just, I'm 52. I think my give a care meter has officially broken. You know, it's just time to grow up. It's time to move on. It's time to forgive. It's time to heal. It's time to obey. It's time to be filled with the spirit. It's time to stop criticizing people who are doing things and start doing things. And so what he is ultimately saying is this, they're going to say, we're loving. And what that means is you do whatever you want. I'll do whatever I want, and we'll both pretend that God is okay with it. I'll just tell you this. That's not loving. That's cuts to the line to hell, right? That's how you get to be the first kindling on the fire. Number three, apostates are unholy. They're going to say, we're more loving, we're more diverse, we're more spiritual. They'll, They'll just go through the Bible and cut out every word that sort of fits their argument. We're loving, we're patient, we have mercy for people, we're high compassion. Oh, oh, give us a hug. As if, you know, Jesus was Mr. Rogers in the sky. And there was no such thing as wrath, judgment, hell, penal substitutionary atonement on a bloody cross, eternal damnation and judgment, Satan and demons, wolves, counterfeit teachers, false gospel, judgment of works. No, nope, not all that. Just those most huggable verses. And first and second apostasy, that's, that's really where we collect them. Apostates are unholy. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, First Timothy 1, 8 through 11, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but the lawless, disobedient, ungodly, and sinners, for the unholy and profane, those who strike their mothers and fathers for murderers, that would include abortion. The sexually immoral, all kinds of sexual sin, swingers, friends with benefits, adultery, polygamy, uh, gender dysphoria, transgenderism, pornography. You know what apostates do? They push up against a line until they can erase it. And then they just march forward to the next line. So it's like, okay, let's do... um, Adultery is okay, as long as you're, you know, swingers. Okay, let's do polygamy. Okay, let's reduce the age of consent and let's bring minors into our bed. That's exactly where it's going, by the way. Oh, let's not have marriage be between a man and a woman. Let's have it be whoever wants to get married. Oh, well, not just two people. I'll tell you what's coming. More than two people. Oh, 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 let's let's add minor children to it. Because now they're not, you know, now they're not pedophiles. They're minor attracted persons. A pedophile is a person you should kill, and a minor attracted person is a victim that needs to be loved by being tolerated. This is what I'm telling you. Paul just says when apostates come, they go after laws and authority, they go after leaders and doctrine, and usually it's just an underwear-related problem, meaning they don't want to keep their underwear on. And as soon as they take their underwear off, it's amazing how many other people want to take their underwear off, and then all the creative things that they find to do post-underwear he goes on to say men who practice homosexuality ah we'll just yeah, we'll just let you sort of have your mind explode whatever's left of it and sort of drain out of your ear yeah homosexuality is a sin and you know what's crazy um <laughs> this is what's so crazy right after this here's what paul says uh men who practice homosexuality and uh and slavers. Some translations say slave traders. So the, here's these three in the row: Perverts who do all kinds of sexual stuff outside of heterosexual marriage. Dudes who uh, want to, you know, do the horizontal tango. And slave traders are all evil. Well, in our culture, social justice would say, yeah, slavery is wrong and bad. Um, but um, perversion and homosexuality and transgenderism uh, that's good, and this is where the woke joke folk they're sly it's like there was a dragon who had a marketing degree was running their gig, and what they decided was well if we just if we just show up head on like uh we we want to have sex with everybody. And uh, maybe throw in some kids. They knew, well, that probably wouldn't be immediately voted for. If they start with the Trojan horse of injustice and racial issues and slave trading, as was practiced in America, everybody who has a conscience that is functioning says slavery is wrong. Slave trading, as practiced in America, is wrong. And then it's like, okay, well, then you need to have critical theory and deconstruction. And now you need to do social justice and social Marxism. And they're like, well, okay hey, we we don't want to be a racist. Of course you don't. It's a sin. It's evil. It's wrong. We all descend from one man and one woman, and we're all part of one race called the human race. Anyways, then they add in, Oh well, deconstructionist and progressivism and critical theory and and woke studies and and social Marxism. Not only do we need to free those people who were slaves, but we need to free people who are slaves of a gender, a binary gender category. We need to people free people from slavery to heteronormative thinking. I just quoted the BLM original website. We need to free people from capitalism. We need to free people from the oppression of having parents. Uh, we need to free people from the oppression of of not being able to do drugs publicly. We need to free people from the oppression of having to go to work and not be able to just stay home and be on the internet and be triggered and vote for socialists who pay for all of their stuff. We need to free people uh, from poverty by just handing them money. We need to free people from feeling bad about their drug addiction. So we need to legalize it so that we can show them love. Boom. What does it look like? Freaking Portland on fire. That's what it looks like. Just throwing it out there. Just a middle-aged white guy with apparently a few triggers in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It goes on to say, uh, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel, of the glory of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. He says, here's their issue. Apostates don't like the law. They just don't like law because they don't like authority. Here's what apostates think. The only authority is in me, not out there, not out there. So it's like, if, if the authority's out there, then I need to submit to it. And if I disagree with it, I'm judged by it. I'm convicted by it. I need to submit to it. So I'm a Christian. God is my authority, and he speaks his law to me through something called the Bible, his word, the heart of which is in his law, the Ten Commandments. Anytime I disagree with the Bible, I'm wrong. I cannot change the Bible. I need to repent. And change me to conform to the Bible because the authority of God is external unchanging and universal it's external it's over me it's unchanging it was the same 2,000 years ago and it will be the same in 2,000 years if Jesus hasn't come back because we've decided to make the purge a lifestyle and It's universal. It doesn't matter your gender, your race, your culture, your nation, your language. One law, and this is the most justice, one law for everybody, everywhere, all the time. That's perfect justice. Now, that being said, they don't like the law because they don't want the law to be external and unchanging. They want it to be internal and changing. They don't want it to be universal. They want it to be personal. I'll give you an example. So, what if I told you, I feel, I feel like a 13 year old asian girl okay i feel like a 13 year old asian girl um, and i want to be um i want to be on a girls volleyball team for middle school students um and um when the girls in the middle school have a sleepover i'm i have a sleeping bag a hello kitty sleeping bag not to brag and i want to go to the sleepover And when all the girls go use the bathroom or the locker room as a 13 year old girl, I want to join them. Okay. And some of you say, this sounds crazy. No, this sounds like Seattle or Portland or San Francisco or Washington DC or Chicago or other places where apostates have actually completely overtaken education. Then the question is, am I a 13 year old Asian girl? That's the question. And the answer is, no, I'm a 52-year-old, fairly handsome, with an interesting personality and quirky sense of humor, but A-level beard, white guy, whose family's from Ireland. That's me. Um, I'm not a 13-year-old Asian girl. Now, what if I told you I feel inside, in my heart, do not judge me. You are being unloving. I can't even pretend to be a weak um, whining apostate, but that's my best effort. In my heart, I feel like a 13 year old girl and I don't feel loved and I don't feel supported. And I thought your God was about love and your God was about mercy. And I thought your God embraced the outcast. And I thought your God sided with the marginalized. And how come you're not like Jesus? You're not a 13 year old girl. You're a person with mental health, or maybe you're just a weirdo. Either way, you need help and you need to stop. Because authority is external, fixed, universal, and unchanging, I need to judge myself by those laws. And here's what happens. When you get rid of laws and external authority, you get rid of reality. And you let people create for themselves their own parallel reality. I'm a 13-year-old Asian girl who's going to play volleyball. That's my reality. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing people who refuse to live in morality. They refuse to live in reality. They refuse to come to the facts as we know it. And as a result, we have an entire lawless generation that's just like he said, they declare war on God, they declare war on government, they declare war on external authority, that means they'll declare war on teachers, and they'll declare war on cops, they're declaring war on their parents, they're declaring war on life, they're declaring war on gender norms, they're declaring war on sexual restrictions, and it leads to murder or death. That would include the holocaust of abortion and the constant killing in our own day and a complete uh, culture in crisis and then he ends with liars and perjurers uh, people who are lying to make this happen and willing to say you know i'm telling you the truth i've done the homework these are the facts he just predicted anticipated that apostates are about lying perjury fake news because they're fake prophets they're fake teachers they're fake apostles with their fake doctrine and he says all of this from apostasy is contrary to one thing, sound doctrine. And sound, the Greek word there, means healthy. You cannot be a healthy person and an apostate. You can't. You can't be emotionally healthy, sexually healthy, spiritually healthy, mentally healthy, maritally healthy, with health in your family for generations. You can't have a healthy apostate church. You can't have a healthy apostate ministry. You can't have a healthy apostate school. You can't have a healthy apostate family. You can't. Because the Holy Spirit is not involved. Only unholy spirits are. That's why we're seeing the collapse of mainline churches. That's why we're seeing, as there is this tsunami of wokeness, churches that go that direction, they crater and die. Churches, families, legacies, ministries, Bible colleges, seminaries, crater and die because apostasy promises life and all it brings is death because God tells the truth and Satan is the father of lies and he lies. This will be loving and life giving. And it's actually hating people and destroying them and taking life because he, Satan, is is the one who was the first apostate, and he wants to have apostasy at every level, any fight he can have, any organization he can gut, any person he can deceive, and any death he can bring. Well, he says this is all contrary to the gospel of the glory of God. I'll close with this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. The center is God, not you. The solution is God, not you. The problem is you, not God. God doesn't need to come and affirm you. He needs to come and save you. God doesn't need to just love you. He needs to love you enough to live and die and rise to save you from Satan, sin, death, hell, the wrath of God, and to save you from you and me from me. I'll tell you this, apart from an encounter with the Holy Spirit, a head-on collision with the Bible, and a Bible teaching pastor, I'd probably be an apostate. I was sleeping with a pastor's daughter, Thought I was a Christian. I was not. Knew a little bit of Bible. Didn't really know what it meant. Wasn't under any authority. Was arrogant. And also wasn't going to let anybody tell me what to do. I started reading the Bible and here's what it felt like. Getting punched in the mouth. That's exactly what the Bible felt like. I fought some in my life. I boxed a little bit in years past. Um, And I'll be honest with you. I don't like getting punched in the mouth. If you have a good jab. I'm having a bad day. When I read the Bible just over and over and over, it felt like I was getting punched in the mouth and it felt like God was picking a fight with me and it felt like God was attacking me and it felt like God was criticizing me and it felt like God was pushing me and he was because he loves me. He loves me so much that he'll take me as I am. He loves me too much to keep me as I am. He changed my heart, he gave me a new nature, a new power, new desires, he gave me a love for his word and here's what I can tell you, every time I've obeyed the word, I've been healthier and my life has been blessed. Every time I've disobeyed the word or the law of God, my life has been more painful and I have hurt myself, I have hurt those who are with me and love me and I have hurt the God who made me. Apostasy is damnable. Apostasy is epidemic. Apostasy is catastrophic. Apostasy is generational. And men, we need you to Timothy up. If you're an apostate, punch yourself in the mouth, freaking knock it off, get your underwear on, get your pants on, get your belt on, get your head on straight. Stop complaining about other Christians. Start critiquing your own behavior. Don't try and teach people what to do until you've been under authority and somebody has taught you what to do. And before you go online, giving your opinion, why don't you pray about it for six to eight years and then see if you still hold that position. If you're an apostate, it's time to freaking change and stop. You're a problem. In addition, if you're friends with an apostate, Maybe it's somebody that you used to go to church or school with or ministry with and they've gone apostate and you know them, it's time to Timothy up. Those are the two questions. Number one, if you're in a small group, number one, what would be the one area if you were gonna be sucked into apostasy, it would happen? Would it be for fear of man and comfort, sexual pleasure, being able to not change some behavior in your life, financial gain, comfort? What is it? Number two, Who do you know that's an apostate that you need to lovingly have the hard conversation with Timothy up and say to them the same kind of things that Paul sent Timothy to tell the church at Ephesus? I'm telling you, boys, the church is only one generation away from being over. And if you let the apostates win the war, there won't be a church. I love you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Week three coming up, or I should say command three week four next week. Um, See what kind of mood I'm in. See you next week. Pastor Mark here saying thank you for giving me the honor of helping you to learn God's Word. In a world filled with bad news, you need some good news. In a world filled with lies, you need some truth. And so, as I like to say, it's all about Jesus. We open the Bible and we help people learn about Jesus Christ, and I just want to say Uh, If you would help me get the word of God out, it would mean the world to me. You can go to realfaith.com, mountain of Bible teaching. I mean, we're coming up on three decades of Bible teaching. And or if you just go to 99383 and text the word unfiltered, again, that's 99383 unfiltered. We'll send you a link that'll open up literally thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of free Bible teaching.